Welcome once again to the Irish NFL podcast, brought to you in association with Titan Roofing. As always, I'm Mark Cockwell, a fan this week of the nausea exuding, you know, problem child, New England Patriots. Uh, and I'm joined as always by my friend of, you know, next year great New York Giants, Brian O'Leary. Good evening, Mark. And as always, by our good friend Gordon Bridgefield, a fan of the yeah, perfect steel Pittsburgh Steelers. Good evening, Gordo. Good evening, Mark. Well, gents, uh, yet again, another fantastic week of NFL action in the books. Uh, lots of exciting finishes, lots of great finales. But we're joined this week by a special guest uh, from the UK and Irish Packers, Stephen O'Brien. Stephen, good evening to you as well, sir. How's it going? I thought when you were talking about nausea-inducing stuff, that was my intro. And I was like, Jesus, is that how we're doing it? That's a, that, that would be a bit harsh. No, I mean, like, I mean, you know, at least at least your team can score what's known as points these days, yeah. uh, unlike the this Patriots week. and the Jets. Yeah. Um, but um, you're joining us, obviously. You're a co-founder of the UK and Irish Packers, which you'll find you've, you've got a website. You're on every form of social going, YouTube, Insta. Uh, uh, Facebook, etc., and also you've got a fantastic Packers focused. I mean, the clue is in the name there a Packers focused podcast that uh, you've put a lot of effort into with you and your co founder over the years. So, maybe before we get going and talk about all the NFL action, maybe Stephen, you just give us a bit of a, a background on you, the site, and everything, uh, even indeed how, how and why Green Bay Packers. Well, this is this is here we go. Sit back, lads. Buckle in. This is a forty-minute hour here. Uh, <laughs> no, really quickly. I guess. Look, I was a Packers fan um, for a very long time. There wasn't really a dedicated Packers group as such um, in the UK and Ireland. Like you lads, you know, you're in your living room. Uh, you know, you get to the playoffs. I know some of you lads probably don't get to the playoffs, but you know, good teams get to the playoffs, right? Um, and you know, you're jumping up and down, and you're waking up the dog and the missus and everybody else, and they don't care. Uh, you go into work tired from a late game, and they don't care. So, you know, it, the um, group kind of started then about seven years ago, and it's kind of gone from strength to strength. I could get into the granular. Uh, why the Packers? I guess as a paddy, I'm into history, and the Packers are steeped in it. And, you know, Eagles is a bird, makes sense. Uh, you know, Falcons is a bird, also makes sense. But when I saw the Packers, I was like, what the hell is the Packers? Um, so I looked into it, uh, got sort of caught up in the history of it, which I'd advise anybody to do who's kind of neutral. And that's how that kind of started. So it started as a Twitter account. Um, moved to a website we did articles and stuff because i'd have i used to write for nfl ireland um on a, a place called second city fanatics actually as a texans writer but a, still a packers fan and um, got into it that way so i had sort of contacts in the nfl world let's say and it kind of just snowballed from there today now we have the twitter account like you say where we hang out most of the time uh facebook the website we do march raffles every single month so if you sign up to our patreon well then you know you can win some quality signed jerseys and stuff and like you said the bread and butter then is the like uk packers podcast and everything else but mostly what we're about is just bringing fans together be it on social media and before covid hit we'd do meetups all around the uk and ireland like i think last year was our most successful i think we had about eight between wales and scotland and all around england and uh, Ireland as well um, so yeah it's all about bringing fans together and we used to have pre-COVID an annual trip to Green Bay so we go to the Mecca uh, itself and it was always a blast we'd meet players and autograph signings and everything else uh, very long-winded 
Um, but there's a background story. The Packers actually come over wildly and did two documentaries on the group. One about how it got started and what all that is. And the second one was on one of our trips to go over to Green Bay. Um, so people can check those out. They're on our website, ukpackers.co.uk. If it sounds like a shameless plug, it probably is. Um, but yeah, uh, sounds that's... Good. Sounds yeah. good. And on the official um, Packers website, and then also you do an NFL segment every weekend on Sunshine Radio as well. Yeah, me, Ken and Reg. Uh, yeah, Ken Doherty and Reggie Kurgan. So that's... Um, it's The show starts at nine. I come on at about half nine. Um, ramble through sort of NFL in general news let's oh. say uh, try get a plug for the Packers where I can um, and then also do the ACA then at the end which I know you lads do your betting stuff and that is an absolute labour of love my god <laughs> to do those uh, ACA slots that's where you you know you get credibility and you sort of know what you're talking about and then you start saying to bet money on games and then people lose money and then they blame you and then you know it's a hard task but anyway I uh, it was it was hilarious when you when I watched the video of you going through how you picked your team and uh, mm. the the formula you used for it, it made me starting to think how how did I become a Pittsburgh Steelers fan? Right. And I was trying to remember back. I'm of the younger generation. I'm not of the. I'm a bit younger than the guys, although I may not look it. But it was Madden that got me into the NFL, and mm. it was back around 2007. And I remember I started playing with Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. It was just about two years ahead of their Super Bowl win. And it was just, it was listening to that video and watching it, I was kind of going, how did I pick the Steelers? And it was mm. through a football game. And that's, again, I'm of the younger generation. I wasn't used to watching it on free to air, et cetera. Yeah. That was my, that was my route into the NFL. But I just thought it was very funny when you decided to delve free. deep into what, what Packers are. Very common though, because I mean we have a lot of people that like, and that that's the sort of happenstance too. We've one guy actually, the other uh, co-founder, he got into it because Dorsey Levins, the Packers player, was on the cover of Madden, and I think the previous year uh, there was a Lions player on it. So he was thinking if I got into it a year earlier, there would just be a world of pain. So um, yeah, it's a uh, happenstance really. Where the old, where the old school fans, America? Sorry. Really old school fans. We were apparently really old, Brian. Yeah, yeah according to Gordon, <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, if you're a Lions fan, you just happen to love exceptional players who want to retire early mm-hmm. because they play for the Lions. I mean, Barry Sanders, yeah. Calvin Johnson, etc. It's just the yeah. constant pain. Although as a Packers fan, you kind of like you, you like the two free games a year, so uh, I, can understand, <laughs> I can understand that's Enough. tough to watch. I also want to point out for Stephen's benefit, long-term listeners of the pod will realize is that while Gordon is a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, he is also a fan of the Cleveland Browns, of the Atlanta Falcons, of yeah. anything that moves, basically. Any, any, no, the underdog story, uh, I think we've gone through this before in the past. I have a soft spot for underdogs, and I always like that story following. But yeah, the Browns and a few others, the, the boys have never let it down after the one the one season when I decided I... It was the Johnny Manziel era. I got, I got the flash, the oh, money, no. the draft... It just no. it just blinded me. It blinded me that year. I, I just became a fan for one season. You you must have to be forced to be a Browns fan though. You should not be allowed change to the Steelers, particularly yeah. in the season that they're having. I think if, as a forfeit, yeah. I think if the Steelers win so many games a season, you have to go got to go back to the Browns. I think I'd that's go back to work. the Browns. Yeah. Well, we, had, like, we had him up to six teams at one stage. Now, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember Brian. I can't even remember. He's just multiplying his odds for potentially some public playoff action. Yeah. You know, Steelers, Steelers at heart, but then just every now and again, I like to follow more and more. As again, it's the youth of me. You know what I mean? There's, I'm, I follow m- multiple teams throughout the season. It's, it's the Madden. I blame the Madden. So let me ask you this then, right? Tebow, when he played for the Broncos, let me guess, he had a Tebow jersey, right? And it was Tebow time. <laughs> I was, I, I, I turned to Christianity that year. I, <laughs> I, 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 I went, yeah. I went to Chris. Yeah, I was the Tebow fan for 
what the three four months that he was big um it's i think it's the quarterbacks of the draft every year i, I kind of get blinded by that so trevor lawrence i'm looking forward to it. now if he goes yeah. to the jets and adam gase is there i'm, I'm not going to be following them anyway Sorry, we're gonna take Go a, we're gonna take a TT here. We're gonna take a Tebow timeout. Are you serious for a second, actually, Gordo? Because this is like a dark secret being exposed from your past right now. No, uh, but I was, but I, but I was one of the things when Tebow came out. I was like this quarterback that came out. He was the you know the golden child of the college football, but he was also you know Christianity, you know not before marriage, all this kind of stuff. I thought it was a fascinating story. Yeah, Gordon, a few years ago you loved Watson when he was getting drafted. When we did those. Uh, the draft previews, you go, oh, Deshaun Watson. Now you're showing him under the bus. So no, Lawrence, no, no, that's... So Lawrence will be dead to you in two years. He's overrated, overrated uh, Watson. I called it already. Can, all I can remember, Gordo, is, and this is the problem with you liking too many teams, is that Tebow, 316, 316 yards, with an average of 31.6 yards, put the Pittsburgh Steelers out of the playoffs. If you remember that particular that cracking game, our pass to Demarius Thomas on the first play of overtime. Hmm. So, you know, Thibaut giveth and he taketh the way. Uh, and then, yeah. then he went to New England the following week and he came back down to earth. What a circus that was. Yeah. My God. Anyway, Mark. That's been 45-10 or something ridiculous. Yeah, it was, ridiculous. It was like, it was, you're, you're it was up at 27 and a half time or something. Um, anyway, guys, I mean... Oh, he's I, left. I, Look, he's got annoyed <laughs> now, lads. That's, it's fine. He's had Sorry, <laughs> or is he Sorry, kneeling lads. down or something? He's taking a T-ball time out there. He's running away then. Just a quick one. He's, he's running down Heinz Field there, he was. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, what, that's where I remember. It's Heinz Ward. That's why I was confused, uh, Gordo, with. Um, anyway... Uh, moving swiftly on, however, and let's turn to some of the action. Um, Stephen, we will turn to your Packers, now 5-1 and one Packers. Actually, on the pod last week, I said they were 5-1, and one, then I corrected myself and said they're 4-1. and one. I'm just fast-forwarding a week because yeah, there's no way they were going to lose that particular game. Um, obviously, you've got a bit of a walk in the division at the moment because like, even the games of the weekend... Lions and Falcons, we might touch on briefly in due course, like two teams who like to hurt each other, but the Lions got to win out somewhere. Yeah. Vikings, thankfully for them, run a bye. It means they can't lose a game this week. Um, but also the Bears, you know, it's kind of like last week Cinderella lost the glass slipper. This week, definitely everything's turning back to pumpkins and they realize, oh, you actually need to throw the ball and make yeah. offense in the Monday NFL to win games. So uh, they went down 24-10 to the Rams. So I'm not saying the Packers are already guaranteed a playoff spot, but certainly they're playing well enough and they handled the have-nots and the Houston Texans pretty comfortably the weekend, 35-20. Yeah, and I spoke about this on their podcast. The Texans are no chumps. I mean, if you look at their record, the fact that they fired their head coach, you know, sort of a bird's eye view if you're not paying attention or looking at it deeply because we all sort of follow our own teams and that's fine. You know, you would sort of look at that team and go, oh, look, it's a definite win. Um, and that's fine. And it was, and we handled them pretty comfortably. However, um, what happened against the Bucs, uh, Aaron Rodgers says was an anomaly. It ended up being an anomaly unless we lose again. And then that's another anomaly. Um, but, you know, we got manhandled. Um, you know, we put up, uh, not to sort of go back in time here, but just I think it gives good context to how we handle the Texans, I guess. You know, the offensive line had a bad day against the Bucs. Aaron Rodgers, you know, spent most of his time on his back uh, under pressure. He can't get the ball out. They stuffed the run. They met, like they were basically in our backfield. I thought they were air running backs at, for, at some stage. Um, so to come back against the Texans, who, if you look at it, like, what are they, one and five now? One and yeah, six. And, one if, and if, five, if you look at. 
So look who they they lost to, right? So the Chiefs, they're top of their division. Steelers undefeated. Ravens second in the division, only behind the Steelers. Um, they had a dud game against the Vikings. But again, the Vikings can be dangerous depending on when they want to sort of turn it on. And then they lose to us. Um, you know, and look at our record. We've only lost one game. It was a blip and anomaly to the Bucks. So, I mean, look, it's, it's hard for them too. You know, Deshaun Watson, great player, uh, has some nice weapons there. Um, it's their defense and you can see JJ Watt getting frustrated and everything else. Uh, Romeo Cornell, I mean, the guy has pedigree. I'm not going to say he's, I heard the, the com saying during that game, oh, he's a Hall of Fame career. He's like, okay, let's pump the brakes. Uh, just relax. So let's look at his record before he starts spouting off here. Um, but, you know, he's a dependable guy. He's been around for forever. Um, so to do what we did against the Texans was super impressive because we were missing David Bakhtiari on the offensive line. Um, the offensive line basically gave up no pressure whatsoever. Um, Aaron Rodgers had a clean pocket, had time to pick them apart. Uh, Aaron Jones, our pro bowler, running back, he was out. Jamal Williams steps in, uh, the second in command. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is crazy about him. Uh, so are we. He's a happy guy off the field, dancing around. And that's kind of headline stuff. But then you see his play on the field. Now, if you look at his yards per carry, you're looking at him and you're thinking, right, that's nothing flashy, but he gets all the hard yards. The guy's incredible. Uh, Devontae Adams, I mean, just takes over the game. He's definitely probably the best wide receiver in the league, in my opinion. Um, if you see the way he took that over, 196 yards on 13 receptions, one shy of the franchise record, bearing in mind Green Bay started in 1919-1921. Um, so it was just an incredible performance, uh, how they manhandled him. 21 zip at the half. And I was just going to say, though, Aaron Jones, I'm glad you called him out because he's kind of my underrated MVP for the Packers this year. I've made a big yeah. play about how much he's helped take the pressure off Aaron Rodgers. But actually, focusing on Adams for a second, amazing performance, absolutely. It was almost obscene numbers when you think about it. Yeah. But you're helped out a little bit by the Texans. When a guy's having that kind of a day, just forgetting mm. to cover him on one of his 45-yard touchdowns like doesn't you know help necessarily yeah. in that way. But looking at the season as a whole, Stephen, I mean, like, as you say, five and one, bit of a blip. In the other games, they quitted themselves extremely strongly. Certainly at the start of the season, Brian and myself were very high on the Vikings maybe challenging the hegemony there, and they're just having an implosion of a season yeah. all, all across the board and um, and the like. But I'll, I'll say this, and this is a bit controversial probably to a Packers fan, but Aaron Rodgers, to me, is a bit like Peyton Manning used to be. He will put up amazing regular season statistics. He will get great records, 15-1 seasons, 14-2 seasons. And yes, probably not because of him, probably because of his defense. Mike McCarthy is obviously proving uh, some doubters right in uh, Dallas these days. Mm. Um, but something seems to go wrong in the playoffs. I mean, he's made two Super Bowls, obviously. He's lost one to really... Uh, great Super Bowl, I would say, and won one, obviously, um, taking the MVP trophy at that stage. What is the secret sauce? Someone who watches every game, every throw, every play religiously, um, how do you equate for that of someone that has obviously got all the talents in the world and can make throws that no one else, like no one else in the NFL mm. can make? Yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is doing stuff and people are getting carried away, but Aaron Rodgers has been doing it for a long time. It's it's a very complex question, but it all comes down basically to defense. It also comes down to teams getting hot. I mean, the fact that we were waxed by the Giants in the playoffs, that's a sore spot. We come up against Kaepernick in the playoffs, uh, who was an unknown entity at that time. We had trouble trying to stop running quarterbacks. 
Um, and then it comes down to defense. If you look at the numbers that Tom Brady has in the playoffs and what his defense gives up versus what the defense for Aaron Rodgers gives up, um, well, then that's the telltale sign. You know, wins are not a quarterback stat as such. And we all know that now. Um, it all comes down to defense. And that's what's really killed the Packers over the years. I mean, they kept Dom Capers for far too long than they should have. Um, and they should have let him go uh, well before. Even now, we still have that kind of a problem, right? Because our offense is firing in all cylinders, yet our defense seems to be able to make splash plays. But outside of that, we're getting gouged. Now, that game against the Texans, we did pretty well. Um, but again, the trope out there is, is let's see how you do against a good team. You know, people mm -hmm. who have strong running backs and everything else and see how we get gouged open. And that could happen again for sure. Uh, but yeah, but for Rodgers and his performance in the playoffs, um, we spoke about it a lot on the podcast. It comes down to kind of individual circumstances or players like Kaepernick was a game record. The Giants got on a hot streak and ended up going the whole way. Um, and then otherwise from that, it's defense. Or what happens is, is that the game comes down to the wire uh, and then we don't get the ball back. And then all of a sudden we lose. So Aaron Rodgers was never even got a chance. Now, do we mention the NFC Championship game against the Seahawks? No, we don't mention that game. Uh, you know, that was a game that was just wild. But there's a perfect micro cousin an answer to your question yeah, is no, that I, there I, is like 10 different things that went wrong in that game like they like to put it at Bostick's feet the fact that he didn't catch the ball and Jordy Nelson one of the best receivers in the game was behind him and it was his assignment to catch the ball Bostick was in the block and then Tremont Williams you know diving on the back of a defender and letting him get into the end zone and Russell Wilson doing what he was doing so every sort of loss can be broken down that way you have to really get down to the granular to see but more, more often than not it's usually Aaron Rodgers doesn't get the ball back when it's and when it comes down to it, and there's nothing you can do at that stage. Oh, no. And and I'd love to. I mean, this is a conversation over a few pints. More talking about well, he also didn't move the ball very well in that second half of that game, so we didn't yeah. put additional points on the board. There's the Arizona wild card game, which was just a wild yeah. game all over the place in relation to it. So no, I'm with you. Um, there's lots of different scenarios. I mean, Jesus, in the last 20 years, the Giants won two Super Bowls, so we really truly know anything can happen in this world yeah. um even the worst teams can get on the street i actually saw a stat during the week that statistically the worst nfc east champion of all time because obviously it's in vogue at the moment to analyze mm -hmm. this is actually the 2011 giants and they did win a super bowl so yeah finish you know, nine and seven yeah. record What's nine, that? nine and seven record who do we beat in those two super bowls mark you, you beat the patriots i believe in tom Boston. brady I remember. I you tom brady twice thing. mark on my mind entirely in the yeah. lucky say that really still gets you though doesn't it i can always well, tell it gets you mark do you know the funniest thing is and Stephen, you just bring this through all that you know your thoughts and points on that is that you you probably have analyzed no and can remember the plays in the games you lost mm. almost better than the games you won because yeah. you know exactly the breakdown it's like that's where if only this had happened you know mm. everyone talks about the helmet catch in the giants pats game i remember a Sante samuel's drop with a surefire inception on the play just before that. Yeah. Clearly... Mark, it was two plays before that. Get it right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. And in the other Super Bowl, Wes Welker had an easy catch that he dropped. That would have put the game away. And yeah. Giselle said, my husband can't throw and catch the ball at the same time. Yes, we, oh, yeah. we do remember it. Something Aaron Rodgers uh, currently isn't having problems with, with Devontae Adams playing so smoothly and so well, though. But look, let's move on to talk about some of the other games. And I'm sure, Stephen, you can um, get in the jibes in certain instances. And I do hope you'll um, duly take the nick out of all of us at times on this. But um, if we move on through the rest of the games, a couple we want to kind of focus on a highlight. 
Look, um, fast and furious finishes last week. Um, Saints eked out a win 27-24 against the Panthers, which wasn't quite as dramatically exciting as others, but one 27-24 win that was extremely exciting was Gordon's team in the battles of the undefeated. It's like the true clash of the Titans. Uh, 27-24, A.J. Brown going off on one just like Devontae Adams did. Um, and the Steelers just, I mean, ultimately just squeaking through Gouda. An amazing start, but three points in the second half. And Stephen Gostowski, I mean, this is why you pay a kicker a lot of money, of course, to miss the game-time field goal with the last kick of the game. Gouda, break yeah. it down for us. Yeah, uh, you mentioned it there, AJ Brown. He just had a massive game again for the Tennessee Titans. And when it came to the Steelers, they came out of the blocks fast and hard, um, and they they racked up the points quickly. Um, and again, this was essentially a game of two halves. They won the first half, and in the second half, they they just held on. We were texting throughout the game. It was miraculous to kind of get there. I think there was like a couple of things on the Steelers side. Claymore had he wasn't in this game. I think he had negative yards for this game for the Steelers versus his kind of couple of big games in the last few weeks. But again, it was because Malcolm Butler they were you know double teaming. Uh, Claypool for the entire game Juju Smith-Schuster had a good game James O'Connor as well had a great game for for Big Ben Big Ben he's kind of doing as I said like he's nothing he's not doing anything spectacular at the moment for the Steelers there's a couple of passes where he was trying to be an Aaron Rodgers or a, or a Mahomes with a couple of these little offloady passes over the pressure but look overall you know J, uh, TJ Watt again had another great game for the Steelers putting pressure on and just the Tennessee Titans, I think they were just tired. Like, they should have finished that game. They had a really good opportunity at the end. And, yeah, I think just the Steelers, we held on just about, just about for this one. So, but look, we're 6-0. and That's that's really all that matters at this stage. James O'Connor has stopped playing hurling for Claire, by the way, apparently. He's gone to play running back for the, yeah. uh, the Pittsburgh Sorry, James Connor. James, James Connor. Connor. I, was watching, I, I was watching the Claire game at the weekend as well. <laughs> That's two. Games, that's that's two games now. You've you've rattled in a, a three or four touchdowns and then let the other team come back. This great defense everybody keeps alluding to. You know the Eagles game. The Eagles came back with the opportunity to take the lead, and now this weekend. So time is running now. It's gonna it's gonna implode soon. This Sunday against the Ravens. But I'd rather. But but again, as as a fan, you'd rather be having these sort of games now than at the end of the season. And and that's that's generally what makes a championship team is in. If you're going to have the slow starts, have them at the start of the season. So I'm not overly worried. I think we're still playing really well. I think the Tennessee Titans, though, they played, I think that was a three games in 13 days or something like that. So, yeah. like, that's that's tough on any team. And to be honest, they just made some bad calls as well. And, yeah, I think King Henry's he ran a couple of more, 75 yards for 20 carries. Ryan Tannehill, again, performing out of, the, out of his socks. I think that's one of the kind of Ryan Tannehill You've got Derrick Henry, you've got A.J. Brown, you've got a couple of really, really quality players for the Tennessee Titans performing at the moment. Um, and I think they're the real story at the moment in the NFL. Yeah, we said at the start of the season, you know, AFC South, guess who? Like, any one of the teams you can make an argument for or against um, very easily, and the Titans wheeled out. You know, kind of wondered, can they repeat it? Can they reach the heights? They've actually kicked on. Uh, Town Hill's playing well. And look, Mike Tomlin, or Will I Am, as I like to refer to him, um, did come out in his first comments after the game, which you don't hear from a coach very often, was like, first of all, I just want to say um, that, that was an amazing performance by the Tennessee Titans. They fought for it the whole way. They gave us a great game. and It was a great game of football. And we'll probably see them. Well, they do say this line all the time. We'll probably see them in the playoffs later on. Um, but it's very possible to the class act, probably the AFC. And maybe, just maybe, it's not all about the Chiefs. Um, but we will see next week Steelers versus Ravens. 
Um, I said about furious finishes, actually, nothing could be as furious as, well, actually, we should have said this last week, guys. There were two games last weekend, the Lions versus the Falcons and the Bengals versus the Browns, which really, if you think about it, should have been called like the square root of sadness altogether. Because if there are four teams that are destined to devastate their fan base at any given time with some completely ridiculous conclusion to a game, it's one of those four, it's all four of those teams. So clearly someone was going to lose in some horrible fashion. I don't quite believe some of the finishes we saw in this game. Um, Brian, I think let's start with the Browns and the Bengals. Let's start with, you know, Dr. Dr. Baker and Mr. Mayfield. Because uh, he certainly was Jekyll and Hyde in that game as well. Yeah, but uh, in fairness to him, like, he was getting a lot of pressure after his after his axing last week, and um, he threw four touchdowns at the weekend. But it's kind of overshadowed in a sense because of the OBJ injury. Like that's been the main discussion. And obviously now he's gone for the season, but you can't get away from him. He started off poorly, threw that interception, but game on the line, drove down at the end, threw that corner oh. into touchdown, and. Uh, but in fairness to the Bengals as well, like, it's been a long time since we've seen the Bengals so competitive. Like over the years in that division, they've been getting played out of it. But like Burrow is really coming on. You know, I've been very impressed with him. And uh, just a fortunate again because the Bengals have put themselves in a position at the end to win the game with the touchdown to Bernard, but they just couldn't pull it out. And but again, that's Mayfield. I was actually impressed with him at the weekend. I know he's inconsistent. And I know so far this season he hasn't been delivering, but I felt on Sunday he did the business. Well, that's why I refer to him as Dr. Baker and then Mr. Mayfield. He started the game 0-5 with an interception, lost OBJ, and then went 22-23, including 21 passes completed in a row. And that one at the very end to win the game, still the game 11 seconds left, was an absolute peach. Almost as good as Carson Wentz's on Thursday night, Brian, but, you know, I'm sure you don't want me bringing that one up. No, let's say the better on that one. And, and don't forget as well, it's been confirmed now as well, OBJ torn ACL and pretty much gone for the rest of the season. And like, again, that's going to be heartbreaking for the Browns and the offense. Again, he wasn't playing out of his socks, but he was performing quite well the last few weeks. And he was at least throwing a couple of interceptions for the Browns or a couple of touchdowns for the Browns. So, look, last week I kind of alluded to the fact the Browns have had two big losses against the Steelers. And, and Stephen, I love your thoughts on this. They've had two big losses to the Steelers and the Ravens, class teams, They've won all the remains of their games. Are they a serious wildcard threat? Are they for real? Like, it's almost like if you're a Browns fan, you look at the record and saying, sorry, wake me up again. Is this really what record we've got at the moment? Because, sure, I mean, they've got more wins than they probably had in about six seasons combined at one stage during the noughties. Yeah, like the fashion by the way that they lose and the way they capitulate, I think, when they do lose you know they're too inconsistent although they're capable of putting up numbers and in fact what i found over the years with them is is that again small amount of years i guess but when obj is actually in the game sometimes he acts as more of a distraction um i know that last year i think baker mayfield's numbers when he's thrown into double and triple coverage was crazy because he sees obj and just decides to leather it in there because you know like as much as people hate the guy and he's seen on boats, you know, with his top off wearing Timberlands when he shouldn't be and all this kind of stuff. I mean, the guy is a super talented guy, you know, there's the gimmicky one hand that catches, but again, he still has pedigree, you know, he has, he's had his struggles and I guess he's had problems with, you know, kicking, kicking nets and fighting into them at the side of the sideline and stuff like that. But when it all comes down to it, the guy's supremely talented. However, um, I think that like, unlike Green Bay, so we focus on Devontae Adams, you know, if, if he can, he pulls it off. Whereas with OBJ in there, sometimes acts as a distraction. But 
again, the fact that a team can put up like 37, 34, you know, that they went up that, those numbers, um, it's promising. But as you said, here's a quarterback who has more adverts on TV than he does touchdowns. So, you know, it's, I don't know, there's always that kind of circus around it. But I'm glad that they're kind of starting to sort stuff out in Cleveland because they looked absolutely hopeless for so long. And at least now they have somewhat of a contender. They, they reek of a team, though, that will put up some nice wins and be inconsistent in some weeks and then go into maybe the playoffs. I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself and then get dumped out straight away. You know, they kind of have that yeah. team. But um, I'm glad there is some glimmer of hope for people who supported Cleveland. Uh, like Gordo, you know what I mean? You might find yourself <laughs> next year throwing well, I was just about, a Mayfield jersey, you know? Well, good luck is in potentially so. But I wanted to ask you about this one because I think the superstars needed in certain organizations, and I don't think it's Mayfield. It seems to be on the defensive side and Miles Garrett this season. Uh, mm. nine sacks so far as in like is that is that where you build your franchise around because he seems to be the player that kind of decides these games or nearly kind of I don't know sets the momentum for them yeah well look at Khalil Mack in Chicago I mean when you know to get him in and then all of a sudden their contenders Trubisky looks like he's a world beater and he's holding Green Bay mugs up saying you know Green Bay Packer fans tears and all this type of stuff yeah certainly I mean if there was ever an indictment for defense wins championships it was the year Peyton Manning won the Super Bowl with the Broncos. You know, the fact that they benched him for Brock Osweiler, people forget, um, and then brought him back in again. So, yeah, it's certainly, I think the defense is definitely the way to go, particularly when you have sort of a, a leaky offense, because if they keep you in the game late, God knows what can happen. Um, you know, we've seen a reverse in Green Bay for so many years. But, um, yeah, that's what you need. You need the defense fired on all cylinders week in and week out, because... Look, that's how uh, the Packers were flying high. They were running rug routes and schemes and people were amazed by them. And then all of a sudden we come up against a stout defense in the books and we look like amateurs, um, you know, for our anomaly. So, yeah, definitely. I think they need to um, stick with it on that side of the ball. Great reference to Manning there as well. I think when he broke Favre's passing yard record that season, wasn't that the game he threw four interceptions mm-hmm. and threw for like 28 yards total, but he just creeped over the line. It was like celebrating um, one of his worst professional career games. But Yeah, um, but that's typical fashion though. Look at Brett Favre's interception. So it was kind of fitting in the end, wasn't it? You know yeah, what I mean? That yeah. sort of gunslinger interception style. Yeah, kind of works. Yeah. Um, Actually, talking of Favre as well, I mean, like, for years he went down as the gunslinger, and it might be hard for a Packers fan to accept this one, but I I will posit that the best gunslinger in inverted commas in the NFL these days is is actually Matt Stafford Mm. of the Detroit Lions, because I don't think Matt Stafford's ever seen a hole or a gap, and even the ones that don't exist, he won't try and fit a ball into. Um, Nothing probably encapsulated that for me more you know, he's always this red zone quarterback. You know, something's happened in the fourth quarter. The Lions are a score behind. You kind of, they'll be on it and you'll watch it because he will start flinging it around. And last week against the Falcons, Todd Gurley, my God, he did it twice in 2018, stopped at the one yard line. This time he kind of forgot to stop at the one yard line. So mm. the Falcons could kick the easy field goal and walk away with the win with the zeros on the clock. And Stafford going down the field, no timeouts left. Um, three. I mean, the Stafford slings, sidearm slings yeah. to Golladay, to Amendola, to Hawkinson, uh, sorry, uh, gets them into position. Last play of the game, they, they get there, and the Lions pulled out the heartbreak on the Falcons. I mean, Jesus, the Falcons blowing a fourth quarter lead. What a shocker this season. Um, but also, I just want to call out Golladay and Ridley in this game. We talked about Adams. We talked about um, uh, A.J. Brown. 
two of them in this game, they were having games of parkour against the uh, defences of the opposition. It was unbelievable performances and catches by both of them all the way through. But yeah, Lions edging out. It's going to be a meaningless game at the end of the day with the with the, uh, the records, but what a game and what a finish to watch. Brian? Yeah, just how you how you know that uh, Matt Patricia said afterwards that he actually asked the defence to allow Gordy to score. Similar circumstances to when Bradshaw scored in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. 2011, I knew you yeah. were going there. I knew but that's what, it's all on the news. He, he referred to it after the game. He told the defence to let him score. What I can't understand is where they were, they, I think they were on the 13, 14 yard line. That's a very kickable trip, uh, field goal for any for any NFL kicker. So why did Matt Ryan not just take two knees? You know, you'd have to wonder. Well, do you know what? It's, there's been a lot of talk about this. Now, Gurley, as I said, he has kneeled before, like 2018 with the Rams, He twice, twice in games late. He, he did it in a game against the Packers two years ago. Yeah. He knows what to do in those circumstances. He just plain forgot. You're absolutely right, Ryan could have taken me, but look what happened at the end of the Seahawks-Cards game, which I know we're going to come to as well. They told Kyler Murray to take a knee to put him on the, the right hash, and the tight end forgot to block. They lost five yards. They missed the kick to win it in the first kick to win it in overtime. So things can still go wrong. I, I don't have an issue in Gurley getting the ball and driving through. I have an issue with him not being told 60 million times, including in the huddle by Ryan, including by every single member of his offensive line, including by, I don't know, his girlfriend in the stands. Don't fucking go into the end zone and stop. Like, and he, 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 tried, he tried to stop and finish <laughs> He did try. Just somehow managed to let it go. Lorry slowly going on its side, going, you know, veering in. But yeah. Uh, Mark, I picked the Lions for this game. And I think we're getting away from the, the fact that the Lions are 3 and 3 and they really should have beaten the Bears. And a lot of people are giving Patricia a lot of stick. They're actually better than what people think. They're, com- they're coming along nicely. They've, and I fancy them this weekend again against the Colts. Brian, Matt Patricia is still getting fired this season. Just you may be getting fired, but I'm just everybody's so down on them. They're three and three. They're not that bad. Well, we will. We'll, there are there is a team actually who is that bad, and that's the New York Giants. Uh, as I alluded to, between that furious finishes, um, they did lose on the last second. Uh, sorry, ten seconds to go. Carson Wentz with a great throw to Boston Scott. But, Brian, I don't want to dwell on this game too much because all anybody really wants to talk about is uh, Daniel Jones being tackled by a gust of wind um, from uh, the direction of the stands. But they're up 21-10 in the fourth quarter. There's only about five minutes left to go. I know it's heartbreaking for you, but, you know, how are you feeling in relation to it? At least they scored after Daniel Jones fell down. You know, Stephen Stephen touched on earlier the the world of an NFL fan where, especially over this side of the world, where you're going to bed at crazy hours, you know, and you're up for work the next morning. Friday was a terrible day. Yeah, harder <laughs> after a loss, isn't it? Oh, 20 to justify, right? At tw- a quarter past four in the morning, I'm saying to myself, I don't care about two hours of sleep now, we're going to win. I potentially be the top of the division. 20 minutes later, it's just like, they just, they just caved, you know? And I keep touching on it, and it's getting boring now. We're just a team that doesn't, oh, um, doesn't know how to win a game. And unfortunately, we're well in these games. Like, of the six, def- the six defeats, we've, we've potentially had an opportunity to win five of them. It's crazy. But, um, I will be honest, because I'm equally as sick as you, even though it isn't my team, I was up watching that game late. I was working late. You felt sorry for me, is that what you want to say? Was that? You felt sorry for me, did you? 
I did. Well, no, I felt sorry for you at one point. I was very tempted to text you when Daniel Jones fell over. And the reason why is just before the snap, I kind of went in my mind, don't know why, it was like 92 yards to go. And something flashed in my mind about Terrell Pryor. Remember, we played for the Raiders, 93 yards first play from scrimmage against Gordo, the Pittsburgh Steelers, sprinting it down the field. And I thought, geez, 92 yards. That's almost the lot. That would almost be the longest QB run. Comes on the bootleg, running down the field, and then. Yeah, yeah, he found we, we we did score. We, we did score in within that drive. So I really don't see what people are getting so hope about. Yeah, it's bloody funny, Brian. That's oh, yeah. it's, it's butt fumble level highlight ah, it's not, it can't, it's not. Oh, it is. It is. The highest speed ever run by an NFL quarterback. So, so here we go. It doesn't matter, and that's the thing. No one cares. <laughs> I love. I, I, I love how you I love how you searched for that stat just to have some bit of positivity. It popped up on my phone on Friday morning. Like, it was like Ian Raffaville puts it up and I'm kind of going, as if I really care. Can I just make a, one, one more point? Jones is a big threat with his legs and they don't utilise him enough. And that last drive when Ingham dropped the ball to potentially to put the game away on second down, there was a similar situation again. They could have done the run pass option and he could have ran it, taken it away himself. I just don't understand why he's... I don't want a situation where he's like Cam or he's like Jackson or even he's still not being used enough in that situation. Because the problem is while he's a threat with his legs, he's equally just as bad a threat to his team when the ball's in his hands because he still needs to cure the fumbles. It's not as bad as it was. Anyway, it it was heartbreaking. heartbreaking, Um, To mention a couple of Brief stats. Of course, you all noticed that Tom Brady threw for four touchdowns and now has thrown for the most touchdowns in all time, uh, overtaking Drew Brees by one. I'm sure Brees will overtake him again and it will oscillate between the yes, two of them. You're, you're smiling like you did him for the Patriots, Mark. I'm, I'm smiling because I like Tom Brady and I still am enamored with the fact that he scored 531 of those 559 or whatever it is touchdowns with the Patriots. But um, they handled the Raiders in a game that was closer than the scoreline suggested. They pulled away in the last fourth quarter with a couple of turnovers. Um, in, in in that game, Mark, as well, Tom Brady and everything that's going on at the moment, has he found his Julian Edelman lookalike in Scotty Miller? Because it just seems like a, it's a new BFF oh. relationship down there with this small, short, wide receiver that just, just reminds me of Julian Edelman. So, Gord, I'll tell you two things. One, if you remember in our preseason, I called out. You did. Out you did call out Scotty Miller. You did. But the second thing is Miller's a lot faster than Edelman. Miller's yeah. a lot speedier. He's a bit more of a de- de- downfield threat. Great play on the 40-yarder, I think. Uh, and Miller will do the underneath. Chris Godwin's out for a while now. Surgery on a broken finger. So they've still got some challenges with their weapons. But... Well, they've right, well, they've just they've they've decided to you know break the bank and bring in Antonio Brown, which is just an outrageous move. Um, which again, it just shows you that Tom Brady was the catalyst behind him going to the Patriots, and it's the only reason he's at the box because I guarantee you, Bruce Arians and the likes had no interest in bringing Antonio Brown there. Mm. Arians even said that, though, didn't he? They questioned yeah, him. He's got no space in, for in our locker room. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a mad it's a mad move. It makes absolutely. No sense, and just for the political landscape, everything. I'm just baffled by the books wanting to even do this. But again, it just shows you when you're Brady, you dictate, you decide, and that's why he's at the books and not in the Patriots. He's ruined the roost there. That's clear to see. Yeah. They're going over the top on it now, in the sense that they feel this is a big opportunity this year, and yeah, but... the extra the extra play they need. And don't forget, they have lost OJ Howard. 
Mike Evans is clearly still injured. Chris Godwin now has an injury, as alluded to as well. You're relying upon, you know, a few talents there. So they could, they could, they could have brought Des Bryant in. It makes sense from a football point of view. I definitely think from a, I don't know, emotional, personal, good taste point of view, uh, there's much to be said. But look. We could talk long and hard about different things. Yeah. Jesus Christ, Brady played with a double murderer, for Christ's sake. You know, I mean, uh, the, if you perform on the field, there's a different standard. Um, he was like, oh, okay. I'm not entirely sure I knew about that, though, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Let us help you hide the weapon there if you start catching some passes. So, no, I don't know. He, 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 didn't, he, didn't, he didn't catch that one in the end zone in the Super Bowl, Mark. Remember the hell, Mary? Drop that one. Anyway, just started moving. Anyway, moving swiftly on. We're talking about a game that was nine years ago. That's how much Brian's trying to live in the past. Anyway, (laughs) in other news, um, John Bostick, who's been a, I mean, he's been a solid middle linebacker for many years. I can only think that in one moment of madness, Vontez Berfick actually died and his spirit was transporting to John Bostick's body to commit what can only be described as some kind of grievous bodily harm on poor Ginger Rogers' uh, Auntie Dalton. Um, brutal here, rightfully ejected from the game. Wouldn't have made a difference anyway, the Cowboys were losing that game, which they did lose 35-3. It did mean we saw a lesser spotted appearance by what I believe is commonly referred to as a, a Ben Denunci, which if you needed to know anything about Ben Denunci, their seventh round pick who played a few snaps in, in the absence of Dalton, um, he was formerly the backup to Nathan Peterman in college. There's it all. We don't need to go any further. No, yeah. I thought, of, I thought it was telling the reaction of the Cowboys players when the hit went in. Not one, yes. player, not one player came to a Dalton's defence, which doesn't need bode well for a McCarthy situation there if the players aren't, you know, lying around I, their own players. I think that was the interesting point, I think. But again, somebody came out and said, well, look, the offensive line itself is just a mix mash of whoever they can try and pull together in Dallas. But even still, like when somebody gets hit like that, as dangerous as he got hit, you would expect your teammates to rally around you. And then the fact that Jerry Jones has to come out and confirm that Mike McCarthy is his man, he's got his man, and that there's no fear with Mike McCarthy going. I don't know. It's Jerry world. you know. There's, I don't think you can be too surprised about anything happening there. Yeah, you do have to remember, though, guys, the, the the Cowboys are starting four reserves on the offensive line. They were still probably trying to figure out who Andy Dalton was at the time. I was like, see with us? Oh, right, okay. We're supposed to protect him. Got it. Um, Patriots clearly uh, had a great performance. They scored twice the amount of points the Cowboys were able to muster. But uh, other than that, went down 33-6 to the 49ers. Jimmy GQ came back to Foxborough and threw two interceptions. It wouldn't have mattered anyway. I'll get it on record now. Cam Newton, the first three games of the season, I was going, no, this this could work. This could work. You know, good game against the Seahawks. You know, back, you know, obviously he was out for the Chiefs. And last week, even, I was saying, oh, it's a bit rusty. We'll come back. On Sunday, guys, Cam Newton, there were at least three passes. He's one hop and everything, but there were at least three passes my grandmother could have thrown better. And my grandmother's been dead since 2003. So <laughs> that just sums up how awful it is watching him. Yeah. Can I ask? Can I ask? Since we have a well-rounded NFL aficionado and Stephen here, is in with Brady gone, what what was it? What was the magic within New England, in your opinion, Stephen? Because you know, Mark still seems to claim it's Belichick, and that was the only reason for it. But yeah. I don't know. I, I it, it, what what's wrong there? Can can they fix without Brady? Or it's hard to know because you know what they still have an awful lot of the coaching staff there, right? Isn't that what have you read the book Dynasty? 
all yeah. about the fallout and stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's hard to know, is that? But it, it's such a fascinating storyline. This way, I love it. Like this way, there is radio slots about like you know the catchy sort of NFL headlines. I don't know. I thought Belichick had their number, and I thought he pulled the fast one because isn't any time sort of a troubled player gets cut, they they cut to that Belichick coming onto the field during the hundred year NFL celebration or whatever. I really thought he could make it work. Because even in their last, um, what's that? Uh, you know, a football life sort of what's that? What did they call yeah, that program yeah. after the Super Bowl thing? Uh, yeah. Where they talk about where they struggled in December Amer- and they were able Amer- to check. America's game. Sorry, America's game. Yeah. Uh, so they were able to sort of uh, rally back in December and change what was going on behind the scenes and all this type of stuff. And by the sounds of it, you know, Brady and Belichick and. Um, McDaniels and everything else they were at his throat the odd time you know and they didn't get along but they found out a way to make it work I still thought Belichick was going to pull this thing off but I don't know Mark maybe you know better I mean is this warden bells for Belichick does he stick it out because you know Alex Ferguson was going to quit and then all of a sudden you know QPR game they bang in the goal and then he stays around you know hoping that he's going to make something work is that what we're going to see from Belichick here does he just keep hanging around just to try and make it work again Belichick is definitely hanging around a couple of seasons. He he feels passionately about his legacy. It's one of the yeah. reasons why he let he did a football life. He let them the uh, NFL cameras in behind the scenes. You know, growing up with Steve Belichick, a, a longtime scout, long time involved. He cares about how he's perceived in 30, 40 years' time, which is why things like Spygate and stuff like that, while he doesn't admit it, kind of people know not to cross it because he just does not want to focus on that. He wants to focus on building a team, building a culture, building an uh, establishment, and obviously wins the the championships and stuff like that. That's why he also enjoys them. But I can't see him wanting to throw in the towel because he'll want to prove, hey, he's the GOAT in coaching, just like Brady's the GOAT in quarterbacking. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, at the moment, maybe Newton returns to see the form he showed in the first three games, different style of offense. Maybe people have just adjusted. Um, but I think really as a Patriots fan, you are kind of looking and saying, well, Trevor Lawrence is going to be off the uh, draft ball, but what about Landry Fields? What about, mm. um, heard lots about Mac Jones, you know what I mean? You start scaring the college quarterbacks and maybe Belichick will come back to that. He'll say, okay, I want to draft someone and make it happen. He was going to do it with Jimmy G, remember? Mm. Jimmy GQ was part of the plan, uh, the succession plan for Brady, like the Packers have done, obviously very, very successfully with Favre and into Rogers and now potentially into Jordan Love. Um, it's, yeah. I, the I don't key see to this, Mark, I think, is the key to it is, is that if you look at recent history and you're a newer fan um, and you see the struggles that they have, uh, it's very hard to contextualise it because they could ride the ship and then all of a sudden he looks like a genius again. But the main thing for me is you have to look at Belichick's pedigree before he got to New England and understand how successful he has been you know, even before Brady. Um, and that's the that's the deal here is that he's in it for the long haul. It's like getting into an investment strategy and you lose money on day two and you're like, that's it, I'm cashing out, I'm leaving, that's right, I need to get out of this thing, it's a disaster. When really you have to stick it in for the long haul. Um, and it's an, and like kind of what you alluded to, it's, a very, it's an incredibly hard thing that they did, Brady style of play. And, the, and like what they were alluding to with the books game and they were saying, oh, Brady's thrown this pass for, you know, 20 years now. He knows that play because that's his designed play. Uh, and similarly, Brady will have stuff that he was good at in his strengths um, that does not fit at all with the style of quarterback that they have now. So they have to go and adapt their system around them and find out a way to make it work. And it's not going to be a one, two, three game thing. No. 
And and just to say on that as well, the Patriots have drafted pretty poorly the last mm. three or four drafts. Like we do not have an influx of young talent there. They're still, I think, the oldest team in the NFL on record. Yeah. So he does need a couple of years to get it right. If he gets it right in a couple of years and you've got a good young quarterback and they become a 10-win team consistently again, then I say Belichick actually stays on for a different reason. And the reason he stays on then is to beat Shula's wins record. Yeah, And he will actually have that in his sights because he will be – he's not that far away. I think he's about 30-odd 30, 30 wins away. And if you go through a couple of seasons winning six, that you know five or six, that takes a long time to get there. Mm. But if he gets back up to consistency levels – Look, we could talk years about this. The consistency of Green Bay have shown in terms of their quarterback draft and that preparation is magnificent. The consistency New England has shown over 20 years as a team trying to keep that standard up there, mm. driven, of course, by both their leading lights, is unbelievable. I mean, the consistency the Steelers have shown over 40, 50 years, committing to head coaches, developing in their their, their ethos, their system. Um, you know, they've got multiple Super Bowl-winning head coaches for the simple reason they went from null to, to, to um, Bill Cower to Mike Tomlin and they stuck with them over the years and the consistency of the New York Giants missing the playoffs every season is unbelievably uh, exciting That's commitment right <laughs> yeah. commitment to, to awfulness but the thing as well is, is people keep uh, thinking about Belichick in retirement but he's not actually that old like we talked about uh, Romeo Cornell what age is he 74 and then yeah. you look at Belichick and you kind of you just assume because the dynasty has come to an end that you know he should just walk away and go off into the the limelight well, but as you said it's not in his character really yeah a number of years ago he said uh in an interview i don't want to be like marv levy the mm. famous uh, buffalo bills coach or, or joe gibbs even i think he alluded to as well the old washington redskins coach where i'm coaching into my 70s mm. like that's what he initially said he i think turned 70 next year or the year after i think 60 68 at the moment mm. but he looks very close like he will like i mean he used to say i won't do that but yeah Ah, we'll see. Oh, but look, these, these lifers find it hard to walk away, though. I mean, they always say, oh, there's no way I'm going to do that. And it's a different story when it comes, right? Mark, do you, do you think he would walk away at some stage if he felt his son was ready to take on the role? Interesting one. I would love to be a fly on the wall of the conversations that Robert Kraft's had with Josh McDaniels, actually, more than anything. Like, he would seem to be the heir apparent in many ways. But, yeah, Steve Belichick is now calling the plays in there. He's, his other son as well is a scouting assistant, I think, in his third year. Um, maybe, but maybe Steve Belichick, for example, has to, or Stephen, I should call him, because Steve was his dad. Maybe he has to leave, like Don Shula's son had to leave. Mike Shula went off to the Carolina Panthers at one point to be the head coach there because he feel like he has to establish his own basis and his own rights. But, hey... I think I the know. better example there would have been Kyle Shanahan more so than uh, well, Shield has bounced around as offensive coordinator in a number of places say, since. I would disagree with that one for the simple reason that Kyle Shanahan mostly followed Mike around the place. Like he, most of his offensive coordinator gigs were following. But yeah, no, it's another good one that probably Shooter was obviously in my mind, but you're right, Shanahan's a better, more recent example. We're going to talk about the elephant in the room here and also discuss if he has the worst haircut in sports. I mean, I think that's more important than wins and losses in playbooks here. As, as, a, as a fan of the Green Bay Packers, who for many years had Clay Matthews on their team, mm. <laughs> haircuts, we're going there. And Stephen has, Stephen has a soft spot for, for Clay. Does. Yeah, because look at that. I mean, I'm poking out the back here, so I'm growing a lockdown uh, man bun myself. I can't say anything. <laughs> 
It's always Mark, a follically challenged as well, isn't it? What do Mark, you Mark has been growing that bone oh. for 20 years, he has. So, <laughs> it's, the, it's, it's the only reason I have a beard, you know? It's the only reason <laughs> yeah. I have a beard. But come here, let's bring it back to the action. And one game we absolutely have to talk about. We talked about Daniel Jones being tackled by a breath of fresh air. Um, <laughs> DK Metcalf, however, for the Seahawks, is also able to tackle. And he's also able to move faster than a cheetah, it would seem, in many ways. <laughs> Because he did directly save a touchdown. Um, and then, of course, the cards didn't pump it in. Didn't save them in another absolute thriller. We're talking about 71-point thrillers again, guys. The Seahawks lost their unbeaten record to the cards. I won't say which one of us on the pod called that the Seahawks were due to run out of time and that the cards might would win this game. Um, yeah, me. We don't need to dwell on that. We don't need to dwell on that, guys. It's fine. But um, it was definitely a defense's optional game, as we talked about before. The coaching towards the end was appalling, and Russell Wilson proved human. Three touchdowns, but also three interceptions. The last one, obviously, being the biggest killer. We've been talking about stud wide receivers. Ty Lockett, 15 receptions, 200 yards, three TDs. It happens. But, guys, I, 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 we could talk, we're talking for hours already, but we could talk for hours about this particular game. Four different times the Hawks had a 10-point lead, including the last one, when they went for it on fourth and two, got the touchdown, 6.44 left to go. They're up 34-24, and still the guards came back, and still they won the game. Like, where do we be? I suppose when you have quite a money at quarterback, you're never really out of the game. And they threw down with 10 points at halftime, got it back close, and obviously Seattle pulled away again. But more to the point, uh, Wilson, was, we kind of touched on it last week, you know, he's having to win the games for Seattle. And at some stage, that, that tends to kind of, your, your luck runs out and their defense is just so poor. You just can't seem to, to get anything right on, on defense. We alluded to in our, in our season previews that they just didn't do anything to address the issues on, on defense. And it was purely down to Wilson to try to carry the team. And, you know, he carried the team and they had their opportunity to win. But fairness to the cards, you, you have called it for a while that they seem to be the real deal. And with Hopkins, they're a different animal this year. I think uh, myself and Mark from the get go pointed out the Cardinals' offensive weapons more than anything else. And I think that was evident this weekend. And you look at the stats here, like, because the, the love was really shared between the wide receivers. You had everyone contributing from Hopkins with 103 yards, all the way down to Kirk, which is 37 yards, but two touchdowns. And, yeah, I think it's just our biggest question about Kyler Murray was we knew he could run. And, again, he made some tacklers miss big time at the weekend. Uh, but the question was, could he get into the consistency where you would trust him to make the passes? Uh, and this was a game where he stepped up um, and it was really, really impressive to see. So, you know, I'm delighted we were high. Myself and Mark were very high in the Cardinals in the offseason, I think because of how they've shaped the, the the wide receiver group. And I don't know, I think it could be could be the start, hopefully, for the Cardinals. The division, you look at the division, they were joking about the NFC easily. Like There's four, four teams in that division. The likelihood is probably trade them with the new expanded playoffs. The likelihood is trade them may, may come out. You know, two of them could be wild cards, and then one falls out. It's, it could be the Niners that falls out, who haven't been to the Super Bowl. But very, um, very easily, all of them are above five hundred. And much yeah. of the NFC least instead of the NFC East, it's definitely the NFC West is the NFC's best. So um, smooth. Uh, put them. Like <laughs> yeah, but I, I but I that that uh, DK Metcalf run. I've watched that highlight. I'd say about a hundred times today. Like the effort, like Wilson had given up. It was, 
it was just mad. It was out of nowhere. It was what a what a t- effort just to showcase that, and then also not to let them touch on afterwards. Like regardless of the result, that's what you want. You want do you want that to be rewarded? It was a great highlight clip, and it was hilarious listening to. I think it was Collinsworth was on the the comms first, uh, and it was brilliant watching him call it out. Yeah, so it was good. It was a really just a highlight of the weekend, I think, for one of the ones. It's also lovely to see him chasing down the smaller um, what, uh, cornerback. It's almost like, you know, a gazelle being hunted down by, a, you know, a, a kind of a lion type of thing. He's like, he's a magnificent specimen of a man. I know that's how weird that sounds, but he's built like a brick shit house. Guys, he's unbelievable. And he's just launching after him and catching him. And also, he didn't even pause. The second it was intercepted, he's away. There isn't even this... Oh crap! What happened? It, you know, he he's away and uh, hunts him down. He was ineffective at the rest of the game. Patrick Peterson was basically in coverage on him, cut him down to two catches. That's also why Lockett had such an amazing game because Arizona, you do actually need two cornerbacks at least. That would that would help. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, just a great game. Neither of them can defend. The cards can be stopped if you stop Murray. They've had you know a couple of very poor offensive games and some amazing offensive games. Um, but what entertainment I mean like I kind of called it at the start guys there was a lot of great finishes you know to games this this weekend I mean 6pm games late games Thursday night games it was all drama and excitement which is why we love it um, there were other games we haven't touched on that weren't as exciting Chargers beat the Jags 39-29 which was good if you had the overs but not much to write home from other than Justin Herbert is the real deal Chiefs of course handled the Broncos I mean, it's like a big brother beating up the little brother constantly in that relationship at the moment. But Holmes et al. did what they needed to do in snow in October in uh, Colorado. So 43-16 there. But if you don't mind... Oh, and sorry, and Buffalo versus the Jets. 18-10 with your goals. I mean... I, 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 I was watching the scoreline for this game because I had big money on this one. And I just... I, just, I, I, I don't know what happened. I honestly... Like yeah, I don't know. Like how they, how did the Bills play like that? They said that, that at halftime the Bills made two adjustments on defense. That's all, and literally just completely wiped out the Jets for the entire second half. They only had two yards of offense in the second half. The Jets just goes to show how bad it is that you can just make quick adjustment on the fly and literally changes the entire game. But the Bills have kind of slowed down a little. You know, they they're playing the pages this weekend. I mean, they couldn't get into the end zone at all. They won six field goals against the poor Jets team. So, I mean, guys, I mean, no matter what you are in this world and like, you know, if you're you know, having a bad day, if you're suffering with COVID, if you're, you know, you know, family life or work life, financial sort of troubles in life and everything, just remember this, all four of you on this pod right now, I want you to remember, at least you're not a Jets fan. That's 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 something to keep you sucker through life. Imagine having all of those troubles and being a Jets fan. Now you're just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you're, going you're, you're going off the cliff then, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, okay. I mean, like this, as I alluded to the other week, is the, the state of New York is still technically perfect with uh, unbeaten uh, wins so far this season. The state of New Jersey, though, bloody awful with only one win between their two teams. So, Mark, um, Mark, one game out of division lead. Thanks very much. <laughs> two, 13 and one still continues to be the non divisional NFC least. A record. So, if someone tells me at the start of the season that come the end of October we're only one game out of the top of the division, sure, I take that every year. 
So again, again, Stephen, I think we've looked through in the last couple of pods, but uh, the last time we had a seven and nine uh, division champion was the uh, Seattle Seahawks in 2010, and they actually mm. famously won a playoff game against the Saints because they were at home and the Beast Quake came that season. Yeah. We could legitimately, it's becoming more real each week, have a six and ten division winner in the NFC East. I, you know, I like seeing history made even for the wrong reasons. So we'll see. <laughs> that makes one of the four of us. No, but I, do you know what they're saying? That they should do like an all-star team from the NFC East and just send all their best players like the Pro Bowl <laughs> because it's just <laughs> shocking to send one team through. I mean, is there a way that we can just eliminate the whole division and just... Like, that's why you need relegation, isn't it? You know what I mean? That's why relegation does an awful lot of merit in it. Can we, can we replace the Jets with, like, the Atlanta Falcons? Uh, sorry, mm. not the Atlanta Falcons. Replace the Jets with, like, Alabama. And then, you know, maybe... Oh, what a yeah. kind of yeah. Matt, you're two, you're two yeah. and four, you know? You're not to be crowned about at the moment, you know? Yeah, we're, we're two and four, Brian. It's still not one and five. <laughs> <laughs> There's a big gulf between, like... So that one game, yeah. yeah. Well, it, 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 look, again, actually, it's not that funny, but, I mean, the AFC East, I was saying about the NFC least, the AFC East, it's got the Dolphins at 3-3, three and three, Pats at 2-4, and four, and then the, the Jets. So it's not uh, anything to write home for about either. And it's two, um, it's two time this weekend. You haven't even touched on that yet, Mark. So, so sorry, yeah, that was the point. Myself and Brian had a... We met up on Friday for a coffee, uh, a coffee chat about just everything NFL for a few minutes, and that was the one we were talking about. If you're Fitzmagic, like, you must be distraught because again this is kind of the point where you're actually playing good football oh, and yeah. they brought it and they brought in Tua which obviously was picked because he's going to be the future franchise but it's it's kind of it smells of history again Kurt Warner Eli Manning it's just repeating itself and Kurt Warner was actually on with um with the Rich Eisen show and it's well worth listening to him and talk about it because now it's about how does Fitzmagic support Tua but yeah as Brian said it's Tua time it's it's madness to if you're Fitzmagic, like he was cheering too when he came on for those few snaps at the end of last game, mm. not realizing he little was not going to be the star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Li- little did he know. Like it's Th- there was very much a player cheering him on, thinking there's no way he won't he'll be replacing me. You know. Mm. So um there was always a <clears throat> conversation that they were gonna do it at the boy week, but obviously the boy week got changed because of the COVID situation. So they've gone ahead with the plan, albeit seven weeks earlier. Yeah, and then Fitzmagic found out in the press. So he said that was bad form. So Flores had to have that meeting with him and say, look, sorry, the way it all came out, it's just what it is. And the fact that Fitzmagic said it was heartbreaking and his oh. heart hurt all day, oh. you've got to feel for the guy. I mean, this is a guy as well. He's been pretty good. I mean, he broke Joe Namath's records in, uh, with the Jets. So, I mean, he's been pretty stellar wherever he's gone. But again, it's reckless abandon with him, isn't it? If he, can, he can sling oh, yeah. the ball around wherever he wants because he kind of comes in to sweep up um, mm. after the franchise has become a bit of a mess. When, when, when he runs, he, he he's not putting the head away anyway. He's, yeah. He'll take the hits. <laughs> yeah. What, what what John Namath record was that exactly, Stephen? Winning two games? Uh, I think so, yeah. I think it was where, uh, how good can you look in tight adverts? I think I think he yeah. was put on the tights. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I don't know actually what records that he broke, but there was a bunch of them that were like, oh, he's after surpassing them. Yeah. Um, and again, the legendary name like Namath. Now, again, I know it's a more sort of pass heavy league uh, nowadays, you know, than back in the day when Namath was uh, pulling on the tights, but there you go. Uh, but again, it's one of those guys, isn't it? Like Tyrod Taylor, he's a perpetual back up all the time can come in and perform depending on the atmosphere uh, but as you say weird time and I wonder if Tua plays bad do they say let's pull him and put Fitzmagic back in or do you have to roll with Tua now to keep that confidence level up who knows I I, I think it's too soon to be honest with you I would have given Tua longer 
um, on the benches to learn. You look at what yeah. the Chiefs did with Mahomes. Of course, they have Alex Smith, who I would raise a better quarterback than Ryan Fitzpatrick overall. But the idea that he sat behind him, only played in week uh, the 16th game that season, mm. um, made a lot of sense to me. I thought they were going to do the same with Tua. Maybe, you know, when they're technically in the playoff options, maybe week 12 or 13, bring him out. But, uh, yeah. Steve, Stephen, to your, to your point about the 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 Tyro Taylor um, reference as in he had to be you know stabbed in the heart or in the lung to be to be <laughs> taken out of sabotaged by the team doctor <laughs> sabotaged by the team doctor but yeah. the point was the Dr. point was Herbert. made on <laughs> yeah, enough. But, but, the, but the point was made on an American talk show that again if you're the head coach like Miami have said no no we can see how good two is he is the future we need to play him like Anthony Lynn was going to stick with Tyroy Taylor, he had no intention of playing Justin Herbert, and now Justin Herbert is turning out to be actually he's probably yeah. the franchise type quarterback. Like, does that like that's just I don't know mismanagement or everyone says you can tell how good somebody is in in, in training and how well they're they're performing, but mm. like for just the Justin Herbert one was forced. Like we might not have seen him this season only for that rogue doctor in the in the background. Yeah, but they they were protecting him, Gordo. I don't have an issue. Like Justin Herbert still probably has the prettiest deep ball in the NFL already. I would say I just love watching that uh, yeah. him throw that but um they were protecting him i get that they're managing the talent they're managing the asset appropriately i mean yeah it's great to see him but it's not like joe burrow where they have to play him straight off the games and hey look again at mahomes like they managed him correctly chicago bears put mitch Trubisky straight in there hmm. how did that work out so um delicious yeah <laughs> <laughs> I can I can imagine Steve actually you'll you'll like this stat if you hadn't seen it before I saw it on the uh, the Bears Rams game the other night uh, the Bears have had fifty one starters at quarterback since the inception of the NFL um, and out of those they've only had two Pro Bowls Pro Bowl seasons the lowest of any team across the NFL including the more recently formed teams and those two seasons were Jim McMahon in eighty five. And Mitch Trubitsky in 2018. Sick. Whatever I say about Green Bay quarterbacking, like is Bears quarterbacking just like the direct opposite? It's like some kind of bizarro world um, mm. that exists, perhaps. Yeah, my favorite Bears quarterback ever was Jay Cutler because he used to throw to more Packers than our own quarterbacks at times. So, I mean, it was just, um, it was just incredible. You know what I mean? You could just fool them so easily. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. And then he's, they he's got divorced since as well because. His missus said he needed to get a job. <laughs> yeah, it's true. He got divorced in the last year. She wasn't happy with him being lazing around the house all the time with his 60, 70 million in his bank accounts. You know, she said he needed to get out and get a job. So he kicked her out of the house by all accounts. So I'm going to be told by our Bears fan, Mr. Dowden. I think he deserves a break, doesn't he? I mean, Jesus, 70 million in, you know. Yeah, but again, yeah, he's yeah. one of those guys that, like, you know, the smoking Jay Cutler memes where, like, he'd have that face that looked like he had the cigarette hanging out of his mouth. And then you watch a snippet of that program he was on, and it's he's exactly like you think he would be. <laughs> it's just, it was so nice, because like, I hate that refreshing thing of, like, oh, he's nothing like you think he is. Jay Cutler is exactly who you think he is. Um, but yeah, the Bears, they're just brilliant to watch. That's why the moniker that we always say that all Packers fans know since the days of gone by are the Bears still suck and they still suck. It's amazing. And you see they're going to maybe bench Foles now and bring Trubisky back in again. I mean, it's just... When you reference quarterbacks that you think will sound or act like you think, that you, you think they would, it was uh, Aaron Rodgers was on the Pat McAfee show recently. Mm. 
And he's done a couple of stints now with uh, it's Pat McAfee and AJ Hawk, is it? AJ Hawk, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's a great show, but uh, he is just so deadpan and mm. down to earth, and he just seems like a pretty cool dude, to be honest. But uh, he told a really good story about the Indominic Sioux kind of controversy and tobacco there. But yeah, there's a quarterback where you just think of somebody, you just think of somebody that's just laid back and just doesn't give a shit. No, he doesn't. You know? No, again, again, he's Marmite stuff. Some people don't like him and they delve into his family life and all this type of stuff. But uh, if you had an opinion of him, of being like, some people think he's arrogant. And if you watch that show with Pat McAfee, it's a good insight. But again, this is a cerebral guy. He plays with the media. He doesn't care. He knows that what he says goes off. And he's pretty much coming out with a different trope on the McAfee show every single week where people are like, oh my God, I can't believe he said that. You know, like he said, uh, a down year for me is a career year for another quarterback. You know, and if you hear that without any context, you're thinking, well, that's exactly the arrogance I expected to come from him. Um, but again, yeah, we're loving it because it's a great bit of insight because he's a very private guy. Like we've had players on the podcast, like, you know, Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels, Mason Crosby a couple of times. I've reached out to Aaron Rodgers and his agents say that they'll contact his other agents. So his agents have agents. So that's how hard it is to get <laughs> to him, you know, because uh, I think he probably prefers talking non-football related stuff than he does football related stuff. Um, because he's a clever guy um, he's only done I think maybe one other podcast and that was some science podcast where he didn't really talk about football at all and he got on with the guy because the guy had no idea he was a quarterback he knew he was yeah. a sports person and then he googled him before he came on the show and he was like oh damn and start getting all starstruck but he was talking about aliens and all this yeah. type of stuff yeah, interesting dude all right because I only ever heard him on the Rich Eisen show uh, in the pre or after the second or third game of the season, and then the yeah the Pat McAfee show. He's just one of those kind of guys. Just doesn't do it. Stays out of the limelight. Sorry, yeah. Mark, taking taking up all the time on this podcast, just talking absolutely no, random. It's, it's a great wide ranging chat, and actually, on Aaron Rodgers, I was about to say about a heard of his interest in UFOs, but also yeah. just interesting kind of looking at things from a different perspective and a different way, and. Um, I just also realised I forgot to call out at the start, Stephen. We're talking about the UK and Irish Packers, and you're having players on. You actually represent the biggest podcast, the biggest kind of grouping of Packers fans outside the US in any way, shape, or form. So you know it's a yeah. testament to the efforts and the work you and the team have continued to put in there, mm. um, which is okay. great. <laughs> um, but um, we do need to move from the past into the future. So let's turn our attentions to next week games and the quick picks because we've obviously covered a lot of ground today. So I'm just going to call out the games and the line, guys. If you just give me your pick for the game really quickly. So we start Falcons at the Panthers. Uh, Falcons plus two and a half is current line. Well, I'll go first. I'm going to go with the uh, Falcons to cover this one. I think Arthur Blank is going to stay away from the sideline and they might actually win a game. Interesting. Um, not for me. Uh, I think Matt Rule is still bringing the Panthers in the right direction. So, uh, no, I think the Panthers will win and cover. Yeah, I'd go Panthers as well. I always try to go Falcons and always end up with egg in the face. So, yeah. I, I can't trust money anywhere near the Falcons, so I'll take the Panthers as well with the points. Um, moving to the Sunday games, another team you can't really trust with money ever. The Colts going to the Lions. The Lions are plus two and a half at the moment. Touchdown earlier. Touchdown earlier. I'm high in the Lions. Um, and Rivers, a, a quarterback, I don't trust him. And I think the Lions' defense will get after him. Lions, Lions with the points, yeah, definitely take the Lions at home. Yeah, I've been against the Lions all season, but Old Man Rivers, I do not put money anywhere near him. So I'm going Detroit Lions for this game. I'll be born and go witches, lads. Uh, anytime I bet on the Colts, they lose. So they're going to win this time. <laughs> <Better> <laughs> the Lions. 
I, I despise the team, but Rivers had a great outs in the last game before the bye. He's had a bye to recover a bit more and rest the weary bones. I'm going to take the Colts in it. That's a shocker, Mark. Rams and the Dolphins. I did see a line before the Rams played yesterday. It was minus nine and a half against the Dolphins. Um, I'd say the line will probably finish about there somewhere. That's minus four, four at the moment, Mark. Is it four? Yeah, yeah, four. four. So um, I think welcome to the NFL. Yeah, to it. Now I think the I think the Rams will cover. Will win and cover. Yeah. Easy yeah. Rams win for this one, I think. Same. I'd like to be the hipster and say the Dolphins, but it's not going to happen. Ito Tour is going to have a welcome to the NFL time with Aaron Donald, certainly. Rams all the way. Raiders at the Browns. Uh, Browns minus two and a half. Two teams that can be uh, like Marmite, to use Stephen's expression from earlier, certainly up and down. Don't trust that Raiders defense. Browns, as you said, with the exception of the tough divisional games, if they lost, they're beating everybody else, and I think that'll continue. The Browns, I think it's a good handicap, two and a half. Fancy the Browns at home. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Browns in this one. I'm also going to go with the overs at 54. I think it'll be a fairly high-scoring game, so I'm going to go with that. But yeah, Browns at uh, minus two and a half, definitely. Yeah, I have to go. Again, it's really boring. I should say some <laughs> controversial stuff like, oh, definitely the Raiders. Don't choose. But uh, yeah, Browns as well. The Raiders shocked me with the Chiefs game, but uh, yeah, I think it's Browns all day. I don't trust them. I don't like them. I don't really know if I want to back them, but the Browns as well. I'm with you guys. Um, if you want to be controversial, Stephen, next game, Packers against the Vikings, Packers minus seven. Tough one. Uh, I'm going to go the Packers just from my heart. You know what I mean? No, look, uh, Matt LaFleur is going to dial up some uh, pretty clever motion stuff and the Vikings are just a burning dumpster fire. So uh, I'm going to go Packers, I think, on this one. Yeah, I think uh, this. This, I, if I was Brian, this would be making in, into the uh, the bets of the weekend. I, I, I hope, but I'm going to be going with the Packers at minus seven. I think Aaron Rodgers mm. is just going to he's just going to be on fire. I think this could be a a very very embarrassing game for the Vikings. Yeah, it's, it's funny you should say that, Gordon. It's the last man standing competition, and uh, I've gone with the Packers and I've, I've managed to pull in minus six and a half for the price that's needed to get in today. So yeah, Packers to cover. Uh, pack all the way. It's getting very boring to see Mark Hughes. There's loads of different picks. Yeah, well, we might change up the next few. Patriots against the Bills. The Bills are minus three and a half up in Buffalo. Bills cover. Easy. Yeah, sorry, Mark, man. Just to, <laughs> just to, just to upset you for this one. Like, as in, I appreciate that the Bills were shite against the Jets. Like, the, it, was, it was a poor game to even think about. But uh, I've been high on the Bills all season and I'm continuing that route and yeah, Bills to cover. Snoozer for me, lads. Bills as well. It's the Bills and I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I love that this is recorded as well, lads. We can just keep playing that back. Yeah. Well, no, I, I, sent him, I sent him one two weeks ago because I picked the Broncos two weeks ago. And in the podcast, he goes, we will not lose this game. So uh, I recorded it. I, I snipped it and sent it to him straight afterwards. That's the blooper podcast sorted, so that's for yeah. the season's end. Um, anyway, let's talk about the Jets again, because they're also playing um, an unbelievable line. I actually saw this higher. I think it's at the moment it's about 19, 19 and a half. I did see it at 20 and a half against the Chiefs. It, it's at 19 at the moment, standing at 19 across most of the bookies. It was, um, it, was, it was plus 13 last week against the Biddles, and we saw what sort of a game it was, as in, like, Plus nineteen, I don't know. Yeah, sorry, you go. Yeah, you go first, Brian. Like, is I'm, I'm unsure. 
Jesus, lads, it's the Chiefs. For fuck's sake, they're going to win it by about 26 Jesus. points. Language, language, Mary. There's, there is young people that listen to this podcast as well, you know. Um, uh, the Chiefs are going to cover, but I don't think the over will happen. A 48 and a half, I think that's a bit of a stretch because I think don't see the Jets scoring, to be honest. So I can see my home sitting on the bench by the fourth quarter. I'm actually going to go just for a bit of fun for this and to watch. I'm going to go for the Jets at plus 19 because it's just it's such a massive spread. Um, I'm just going to go controversial and go plus 19 for the Jets. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that one. I think it's one of those ones that stand out. And this is the ones when I'm doing the radio act, I'm like, oh, it's a lock. But I, you know what? I, I, they're got, the Chiefs are going to win, obviously. But uh, I think it's going to be closer than people think for no reason whatsoever. Exactly, and that's and that's why, uh, Stephen, I'm with you on that because after what the Bills and the Jets was last week, and I'm like, yeah. anytime you see these big spreads, they scare me now. So yeah, that's why. And the team going in always think they're going to walk it, and they never do. Then they sort of start to struggle. Then when it gets a bit tough, so yeah. Yeah, Laz, I hope I hope we're clipping this one and replaying this one next week. Anyway, <laughs> oh, we're clipping this one. We're clipping this one. Clipping right. your wings. Yeah. <laughs> a big game, however, um, this is for AFC North Supremacy Steelers against the Ravens. Ravens given minus three and a half at home. These are always wars, but this could be a war with a lot of speed going on this time around. Yeah, look, as in, I think the Steelers are going to keep going at plus three and a half. I'm, I'm taking them. I'm also taking the unders in this game. I think this is going to be a really, really tight game. Not going to be high scoring. Uh, and I'm going to take the Steelers to, to win and cover the plus three and a half. I'm going to go with the Ravens to win, but I can see potential save coming down to a field goal late, and I think Justin Tucker might just do the business for the Ravens and the Ravens to win by field goal. Yeah, I'm going Steelers to win. I think they'll stifle the Ravens for whatever reason. I'm going to keep picking them until they, they lose the game this season. I'm with you as well, Stephen. I'm going Steelers to win on this one. Um, but I think they're going to have enough. And the Ravens, the good team they played against the Chiefs, they lost to. Steelers are another good team. So I'm with the Steelers on this. Um, the surprise in many ways of the season so far, uh, obviously on their first loss last weekend, Titans minus five and a half against the Bengals. Ah, Titans straight away, minus five, covered. Titans uh, bounce back, win, cover, yeah. Yeah, same. I think they manhandled the, the Bengals. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried about a Joe Burrow backdoor cover at the very last with a touchdown in the end. But yeah, you got to go Titans on this one to win by a touchdown at least, I'd say. Um, the Chargers of the Broncos then? Chargers are giving three points to the Broncos. I'll go for it. Am I reading that right, Brian? Yeah, the Broncos are getting three points. Yeah, I'm picking the Broncos to win the game, actually. Um, I, li- I like your luck and um, uh, I, I, I think the whole, I, I think all of our listeners know that you like Drew Locke at this stage. You yeah. have literally Lock, been talking Lock. up Drew Locke all season. Lock it up to win this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you you've been waiting to use that one all night, all night. Uh, to to Mark's point, the prettiest deep ball in the NFL, Justin Herbert, LA Chargers minus three and a half. I'm gonna back the the rookie in this game. Yeah, I think the Chargers should win. I think the Broncos probably will win, but I'm going to go with the stats and say that the Chargers win it, but I guarantee you that's not going to happen. But anyway. Uh, Drew Locke is locked up. It's going to be just about on the Chargers taking this game. I'm going to keep betting against the Broncos now, just out of spite, I think. Um, right, the Saints versus the Bears um, in this regard, guys. Um, you know, are the Bears, the wagons falling off the wheel? The wheels falling off the wagon, even. I'm gonna yep. 
head of the Packers fan and just say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We're waiting for that moment, that loss. So, yeah, I reckon the Saints wiped the floor with them. Yeah, I'm with Stephen on this one. I think it's the exact same. I think I don't even need to know the handicap. It's Saints, Saints to cover this one easily. Hmm. I'm going to pick the Bears. Um, they beat the Bucks at home a few weeks ago when no one expected them to win. And I think they'll do the same this week. I think Braves are still worries me and I think the Bears will cover. So they have the four points now. I'm definitely taking the Bears. Yeah, I'm worried about Breeze in this game necessarily, but I'm not worried about Alvin Kamara and I think Michael Thomas might be back. So I'll take the Saints in the game. But um, if they're winning, they're winning with defense. That's the reality. Um, we talked about the NFC best, San Francisco 49ers against the Seahawks. Seahawks giving three points to the 49ers. Yeah, I'll go to Seahawks score, minus three. Um, I think it'll come down to the fourth quarter and you see how they pull away and win the game. Yeah, I'm going to go with the same. I think, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Seattle for this game. Same. Which one, that one? Yeah, Hawks all the way. Cowboys at the Eagles. Somebody, unfortunately, has to win it. There's no spread oh. at the moment because I don't even know who's playing quarterback for the, for the Cowboys. <laughs> but uh, uh, I think the Eagles will win this game. Like, I just don't know what's happened to the Cowboys. Is in, like, is in, I wasn't high on them at the start of the season, but I didn't think they'd be this bad mm-hmm. and, and this atrocious. And then I thought Andy, we, we spoke about Andy Dalton as a backup quarterback to get in the offseason was a great one, but like he's probably not going to be in this game. Um, I'm going to go with the Eagles, and they have two offensive lines. Both teams are banged up, but I'm going to go with the Eagles and Wentz to, to win this one. Yeah, which on that one as well. Dallas, again, just gone shocking. And he's lost the locker room by the, by the sounds of it. So, yeah, definitely Eagles. Yeah, Eagles all the way. They ultimately win out in that division. And then to wrap it all up, Brian, unfortunately, you know, Monday Night Football features pretty much all the teams at some point. You know, for the viewers of ESPN, they've had some great games the last while. They also now have to put up with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which is bad enough, but they're playing the New York Giants, which is even worse. Hopefully this is the last time we're playing late because I can't be doing these late games anymore. I'm 42. I'm getting old. Um, ten and a half points. Nah, Bucks will cover. Yeah, I'm Tom Brady, Scott, Scotty Miller and his uh, Julian Edelman lookalike. I'm going with the Bucks minus ten and a half for this game. Yep, which again. Giants have been more competitive than people give them credit for, but Bucks for me as well. Tom Brady to extend his record setting NFL touchdown regular season. You know, just just you know, more touchdowns, more and more records. Right. That wraps up the games. Brian and Gordo hand over to you guys to wrap up with the uh, the bets. And uh, just before I jump off, just want to give another shout out and thanks to Stephen from the UK and Irish Packers. Please check him out, the podcast, the website, every social media channel known to man. Um, well worth a listen and well worth engaging with. Uh, super knowledgeable about the Packers and the NFL in general. And to say thanks to Stephen for joining us. But uh, I know you like the betting, Stephen. So let's see what words of wisdom Mr. O'Leary has for us this week on his ACA. Stephen, this has been a, a marathon episode of the Irish NFL podcast. So fair, <laughs> fair play for lasting this long. This, this does, <laughs> doesn't normally happen. I'm going to put it down to the quality of the guests we have uh, this week. But as Mark said, uh, the betting side of the site, we're horseracingbuddy.ie. We teamed up to them this season. Uh, Brian O'Leary is our betting guru and has been giving uh, Banker of the Week, Treble of the Week, and in some touchdown passes. So, Brian, firstly, Banker of the Week, where am I betting the house? You know, we've done six bankers in a row and we've got them all up. So this week, my banker is, I'm going to Titans. I think they'll bounce back. 
um, against the Bengals and they're minus five and a half. I think the Titans will win in cover. That's the banker. And then the treble. Um, Packers minus seven. Dolphins minus four. And I'm going to put the Ravens in, surprisingly, against the Steelers. Um, minus three and a half. I think by the weekend it'll be down to two and a half. And then I think a field goal will recover. So I'd be advising anyone to drop the drop the line slightly to two and a half and then you get a field goal win and your bet is covered. And just to point out that the treble came up last weekend, in terms of, in terms of the, the betting for the QBs, um, we tend to do quarterback bets because they're nice and pricey, Stephen. And a fair few of them have come up this season. Going to go Mahomes to run one in against the Chiefs. Um, actually, Cam might run one in against the Bills. So I'm just going to double that up for the time being. And I haven't had enough time to really delve into it just yet. Still early in the week, Gordon. But certainly no, the Titans, Titans is the, the banker bet this week. Brilliant. Titans bank about minus five and a half against the Bengals. Uh, and as we said, horseracingbuddy.ie, you'll find all of Brian's bets across their social media channels. Um, and yeah, that is the pod this week. And as Mark said, Stephen, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on uh, the UK and Irish Packers podcast. I know that's the the main frontier of, of what's happening mm-hmm. at the moment. So w- what days do you normally drop your episodes just so our listeners know as well? Yeah, usually Monday is the post-game uh, review and then Wednesday, Thursday is usually the preview of the next game. So we Perfect. Roll. Mark, sign, sign us off. Good night from us, guys. Good night, guys. Yeah.